Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. This episode, we'll be discussing the amazing Japanese movie studio, Studio Ghibli. So why don't we talk a little bit about the background of um, Studio Ghibli and what it is exactly. Yeah, so it's a Japanese animation studio, and it's based in Tokyo, uh, and it was founded in 1985, and there are three founders, and uh, Hayao Miyazaki is probably the most well-known, and then there's also Isao Takahata and Toshio Suzuki. So I'm not super familiar familiar, but um, I was familiar with um, Miyazaki going into this because as I've discovered, um, all all of the movies I had already seen but one were Miyazaki movies. So I think he is the most famous and he was actually the screenwriter and director on um, a lot of these. Yeah. 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 He's a very, very creative uh, genius, I think. Yeah, and yeah. pretty much so immersed in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, you're right, he's been a director to many, and also uh, the writer as well for many of the films. Yeah. And um, I think it's really wonderful. Um, in America, a lot of these movies became, uh, or were... Um, heard of I guess seen because of Disney yeah Disney started uh, distributing um a bunch of mm -hmm. these and so yeah I remembered over the years like when um you know when Princess Mononoke came it was a pretty big deal and I think um more recently like I remember um Ponyo coming out Mm um yeah yeah and it uh, I just thought it was really great that John Lasseter uh he is he loves Hayao Miyazaki, like, they're good friends, and and so uh, John Lasseter was very instrumental in, in make. I think, I, I assume, in making that contract uh, come to fruition between Disney and Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, That's yeah, I can, I, I can see how this would come to fruition, because, like, they really are, like, just charming, heartwarming films for the most part. Mm-hmm. They do touch on some serious topics at times, but I think, you know, for the most part, they're, like, good family movies. Um, yeah. Like, what's, what's your history with, with this? Like, when did you start watching these? And, um, yeah. What? Well, the first one that I remember, like, I was conscious that it was Studio Ghibli, uh, was My Neighbor Totoro, and this was back in the mid-90s when Fox actually had somehow had the rights to distribute uh, My Neighbor Totoro in the U.S. Um, and so they, so this was a, a dubbed version before the one that is known now. So the, it was different voice actors. Uh, but I remember watching it with one of my friends at her house, and we, because we were totally into anime, yeah. uh, which, is, which is Japanese animation, yeah, we, and I loved it, it's so different and beautiful, I mean, it was, it, my, my reaction to it was, I was instantly drawn in, because the visuals are so lush and rich, and it's just so heartfelt, and, uh, I mean, it takes place, I think in the, the setting is, 
like 1950s or so, 50s or 60s, um, but it's in rural Japan, but it's its its own fairy tale. It, uh, Miyazaki said he didn't want to uh, base it on any existing Japanese mythology or, or uh, fairy tales, and so he created, you know, it's all original, and it, it very much, it, it is its own fairy tale, you know, in a somewhat modern setting, you know, the mid-1900s. So, so anyway, I was just enthralled by it, and ever since then, I have, I've been on the Studio Ghibli train. Like, I, have, <laughs> I pretty much have all, <laughs> all of the films that have been released domestically here in the United States, um, and, you know, whenever, when they, and they've been coming out on Blu-ray in recent years, so I've been, you know, replacing my DVD with, DVD versions with the, Blu-ray versions and anyway, I just I I've always been very impressed with Studio Ghibli and so grateful that they are so wonderful and, and that they have a following here in America, um, especially a following uh, of people who can actually do something about it, like like the you know um, John Lasseter who can like be instrumental in bringing the movies here. Um, yeah, and now it's uh, G Kids, uh, Disney. I think the contract ran out for some some part of distribution anyway, um, and so now G Kids is doing some of the distribution, and they also do a beautiful job uh, with the. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. I was always really impressed with the voiceover work too. Yeah, like I think yeah. all the ones I I watched recently. Um, the, the ones I saw back when I was in college, like, that's when I, I first saw my first, like, Ghibli films, I guess. Like, I mm-hmm. liked anime in high school, um, and but I hadn't seen any of these movies. When I went to college, um, I think the, the Japanese club at my school used to put on movie nights. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, so I used, um, I used to go to those, and I saw several of these um, there, and they were, they were in Japanese. But mm-hmm. then the ones I watched, like, um, just recently preparing for this were all dubbed, and I think, um, yeah, they've done a really good job. And um, there's, like, I don't know, famous American actors, you know, were doing the... Yeah. the um, voiceovers like I think yeah in my neighbor Totoro I think um Dakota and Elle Fanning were the little girls mm-hmm. and um I think Leia Salongo was the mom yeah yeah so they've got some good voice actors and it didn't really I I sometimes can't take dubbed movies you know like if they're mm-hmm. badly dubbed or it's hard to do the Japanese um movies because I think the speech patterns are different so they sound really awkward and like mm-hmm. stilted when they're when they're speaking in English um but these are really well done I think and didn't really take you out of the story yeah that was part of the stipulation I believe with the contract with Disney yeah, it's like do a decent job cannot, <laughs> yeah like they cannot change uh they cannot like change any of the animation um, because some uh, when some Japanese animations came to the United States like Sailor Moon and stuff like they underwent heavy editing like cutting and splicing and just ugh, crazy stuff before the American public saw it and so that was part of the stipulation between Studio Ghibli and Disney is like none of that <laughs> <laughs> like you have to keep the keep animation as is yeah yeah and also with the the script I mean the the translation um that it as close as possible uh, yeah and so it, it's very evident 
that the people behind the scenes um, who are uh, part of the American um, distribution ha like that they love it's like a labor of love for them because um, watching some of the behind the scenes videos and everything you can see that they like the the people who do the translation and make the the American script are really trying to keep it as as accurate as possible but then you're right like make it but make it flow for Americans too mm -hmm. so yeah so you because usually anime I'll watch subtitled but Ghibli movies I watch dubbed because I trust I trust it like <laughs> yeah for them to do yeah. a good job yeah it was yeah. nice to watch because um, I watched a couple of these with my daughter too and so she mm -hmm. you know it would be hard for her she yeah she's learning <laughs> she's you know she's six so she's learning how to read but I don't know that she yeah. could follow along with a movie so um yeah. yeah it was nice to have the dub versions in them to be like decent so that I don't mind <laughs> to watch them mm -hmm. but that brings up a, a good point too um yeah so my my daughter is four and and she she loves Ponyo um but Ghibli movies like they are so um I don't know how to describe it like they're you can tell even if there were no words you would be able to follow along and just feel the emotion in it and because the characters are animated in such a way that, you know, their expressions and, you know, the, you can follow along, but you can still get get immersed in it, even if you're, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I noticed while I was watching these, because, you know, when I first saw them, you know, I just kind of took them at face value, but I was, like, trying to think about it a little bit more as I was watching them um, j just recently, but... They're really different, I think, um, from, like, animated movies from other countries. Like, they kind of, mm -hmm. they don't, like, My Neighbor Totoro do doesn't really have a plot, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. it it's more just about, like, life, you know? It's yeah. about, yeah, and it just, like, slowly unfolds. It takes its time. Um, it spends, like, way more time on, like, the girls exploring their house and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that than they would in, like, a Disney movie, for example, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and they just kind of take their time to get around to things, and it is more about, like, a feeling, you know, than it is, yeah. um, like, a, a specific plot. And then others, like, Spirited Away and, and Panya too, like, there is a plot, but it kind of changes and meanders and unfolds like you know the rules keep changing and um um it just takes its own path you know so it's very different from yeah. like we have a clear goal in this movie and you know this is what the main character is going to do to achieve it you know it just mm -hmm. kind of flows and they take kind of a different path yeah, yeah. and a lot of it i mean uh, there are many Ghibli films that do have fantasy settings and are are intriguing that way, mm -hmm. but a lot of just like you're saying, a lot of the um, stories take place in more everyday settings, and so the the magic, if you will, you know, of it is is like the magic of everyday life and you know re relationships and interactions and discovery and wonder and yeah, and so you know whether it's it and and they can you know you can have the same feelings if even if it is a fantasy background you know but that's yeah I, that I think that's it's they're so endearing and it's just so impressive that the animators yeah they're not trying to like get to a, I don't know progress the plot or like just you know get these 
check off a list of like, okay, now the crisis is happening, and now it's the, you know. Yeah, now we're creating tension, and now, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I think it's beautiful that way, because a lot of things are so subtle, and like a lingering look shows determination, you know, on certain characters' faces, or, you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> there are just so many little things that are, it's impossible to really talk about or even put into, you know, put into words, but, yeah. <laughs> so they're, yeah, just amazingly gorgeous films, and I hope they will go on forever. <laughs> So, yeah, back when, so I, I think my, my Studio Ghibli viewing has been kind of divided into two parts. Like, I saw several movies back in college, um, which I remember liking, but I kind of have a vague recollection of the actual plots. So I saw, mm-hmm. um, I saw Grave of the Fireflies, which I remember being, like, one of the most, like, devastatingly sad yeah. movies I've ever seen, because um, it, it takes place um, during wartime, and... Yeah. Um, the the children face starvation and it's just it's it's terrible. <laughs> can I inter- can I interject? Really oh quick? please that, do yes. That remind it brings up a memory. So when I was in high school, I was in uh, the hi- anyway the history class I was in. Every once in a while, the students individually would need to do a presentation on a historical topic. Mm-hmm. And, like, they could pick it and then just research and, you know, have some kind of display or something. So I chose um, the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I showed excerpts from Grave of the Fireflies. Aww. Like, the the bombing, um, you know, before, like, the air raids. Uh, and one of the girls in, in my class was like, oh my gosh, this is a terrible cartoon. I can't believe they would show something like this. And and I, I was just like, this, but this is based on real life. Like, this is really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what medium is, is portraying it. I mean, but it's that stigma. It's like that idea. I think it's very prevalent in America is that cartoons are for kids. The, and yeah, how, this how is for they, children and this is... It's too, supposed to be slapstick this or is whatever. too heavy a topic to be, you know, portrayed in an animated film. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it, it is super heavy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, it's a very sad movie, but yeah. it's very beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that Studio Ghibli um, and Japan in general, like, they have, they have a different mentality. It's that animation is simply a... Another it's another medium. art form, yeah, that yeah, you can to portray. Convey yeah, any, and it's not number, just children. Yeah. Like, you know, a, adults read manga and adults watch mm-hmm. anime. And <laughs> there's some very adult <laughs> anime. Yeah, there, it's like <laughs> different types for different folks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's, but, it's a very popular medium. And so it's, it's yeah. not um, unheard of to have these type of, like, dramatic stories told through mm-hmm. animation. Yeah, but the way that Ghibli, like with Grave of the Fireflies, the way that it was directed and um, and animated and just, it, like everything was very purposeful in the way that it was done. And Well, the other one I was going to mention, I, I saw um, back in back in college was My Neighbor Totoro, um, which I liked fine back then, but didn't have like a particularly strong feeling. 
So I just rewatched it like this week in preparation for this, and I was surprised like how much more moved I was by it this time. Yeah. And I think and now you're a mom. Now yeah. I'm a mom. Exactly. Like my daughter's the same age or a little bit younger than the um than the oldest um Satsuke. Yeah. yeah, than Satsuke in the in the story. And so I was just kind of watching it through her eyes, and I felt so much for her because like you know she had to be so responsible. Um, you know, mm-hmm. her mother was in the hospital, so she was kind of holding the family together. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, I, I chose I chose her for my for my recipe. Like she makes um, bento boxes for the family in the morning, and I mm-hmm. thought it was so sweet that she was taking care of everybody. You know, because the dad comes in, and he's like, "Oh, we need to get something to eat." And she's like, "I got it covered." You know, <laughs> she's running around the kitchen, you know, cooking for everybody, and she's like seven. You know, so. Um, I thought it was a very sweet story, so I had a much stronger reaction this time watching it because, you know, I could see the, you know, the the responsibility that she had to fill, and she kind of rose to the occasion. Yeah, Yeah. and that brings up a good point. A lot of Studio Ghibli films are about the strength of children. Mm Mm-hmm. That, and and I, this is not a quote, but um, in a lot of, in many interviews, Miyazaki says things to the effect that you know children are very underestimated like they they are capable of so much more than what the world or you know grown-ups think that they are yeah it gives them credit for yeah it gives them credit for and so that he he wants to show that in his films and also he wants to show to children that they can be strong and be responsible and you know so then that's seen very much in well, like you were saying, Satsuki and, and Totoro and also um, Sosuke and Ponyo. He's only five, but right. Miyazaki said he wanted to show a boy who was very, you know, determined and accepting and just, you know, I mean, he's a great character, a great little boy. And it's like, wow. But you can really see that it, it could be like... It's believable that there there are boys in the world like that, you know, like mm-hmm. if they have an awesome mother like Tina Fey, <laughs> like I mean, I mean like Lisa, <laughs> and you know, um, so yeah, he's a really good example. But also, um, Spirited Away is a huge, you know, because in the beginning, Chihiro is she's pretty whiny and yeah, like, she's oh, very sullen to, about yeah, having to move, kind of selfish. And, but as soon yeah. as yeah, as soon as she doesn't have her parents around, she's like, oh okay, I better you know. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, do what I'm supposed to do so I can rescue them, and she ends up being, yeah, the hero of the story. Yeah, so. and it's interesting, because it's not even, it's it's just like a a gradual progress, like, she's just kind of thrown into this, but she stops complaining, like, she yeah, doesn't. Yeah, because at first she's very she upset, like, it. she's just very yeah. sullen, she cries, she bursts into tears, and then more and more she starts taking more initiative. yeah. But it's never. I, I like how it is a gradual thing, because mm-hmm. it's it's never like, she never never says out loud or like a, a a thought that we can hear or whatever that is. Okay, well, I I guess I better do this. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very you realistic know. progression that we can it's see. It's more showing her rather than telling. Yeah. yeah. Which I yeah. love that kind of story mm-hmm. storytelling. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, another theme that I think pops up a lot um, 
and maybe most in probably Princess Mononoke's um, environmentalism and conservation. Um, But that, you can see that in a bunch of the other films as well, because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in Princess Mononoke, I think, oh, I saw this movie, but this is one of the ones that I don't have a a great recollection of, but I think, like, the the main plot centers around, like, these, like, forest spirits and Mm -hmm. versus the people that are... um, um, consuming the resources. Yeah, and it's never a black and white thing. It's not that one side is evil and one side is good. It's, it's yeah. It's it's showed in a in a very thought provoking way. It's yeah that the forest, yeah. There's forests, forest spirits, and you know all the creatures that inhabit forests, and then it's the the iron workers and the basically civilization. And they need jobs, and they right. need to survive. Yeah, because, so, like, as people, yeah. like, we can't not consume resources, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's just, like, a message to be responsible about it. Yeah, to f- somehow come up with a, yeah, compromise mm-hmm. or, yeah. I think this also shows up in um, Spirited Away with the um, with the stink demon, <laughs> which turns out yeah. to be the river spirit. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and so when she gives him a bath or whatever, like, all this trash starts coming out, um, you know, that people had been throwing in the river. So, yeah. and it's not, like, really, they don't really ha- hit on that point, but it's just kind of a part of life, too. And it, it like, also shows up in Ponyo, too. Like, the, um, mm-hmm. the father yeah, tells Ponyo, the... like, why oh, would yeah. you want to go live with the people? They're horrible. They, like, throw stuff in the yeah. ocean. And then the scenes where they show, like, in the beginning when Ponyo gets stuck in the glass jar. Mm-hmm. Because they're like dredging the, the lake or the the sea bottom, and there's like all this, yeah, trash and junk. yeah. Miyazaki is on record of of being, you know, yeah. He he makes, he he does use his movies to make, um, those kind of statements about environmentalism right. and just to have awareness. And I love there. it because it doesn't like in these movies. Um, it's not, like, the central theme, you know? There's mm-hmm. lots of other stuff going on, and so it doesn't, like, really bat you over the head with it, but it's just kind of, like, a part of life. Like, we need to be aware of this, so it comes up from yeah. time to time, but um, there's also it's another... not really heavy-handed with it. Mm-hmm. There's another film, Ghibli film, called Pompoko. Okay, and I, I watched it, oh my gosh, years ago. Uh, but it was coming out on Blu-ray soon like in a couple days actually so I'll so I but not before the podcast though sorry um but it is about tanuki I don't know if you're familiar so tanuki they look like raccoons oh I know like from Mario (laughs) yeah so they're not raccoons they're tanuki is actually they're raccoon dogs Uh they're actually in the dog family um but they, so anyway, they, in Japanese mythology, they are very magical. Um, but so Pompoko, this Ghibli film is about like a, a tribe or a clan of Tanuki and kind of them at, being at war with the, the human, the encroaching neighborhood, like the, the human world. That's from what I remember, but it's a, and a lot of zany things ensue. But I think at, at the heart, it's that, again, that kind of you know, about man encroaching on nature, you know, that war. Yeah, same theme. <laughs> but it is kind of like a battle, it's, de- it's depicted like there's a, ba- a battle, but it's, you know, made humorous and stuff. But So not like, um, 
Princess Mononoke. That was Princess Mononoke is one of the you know more mature. Yeah. Uh, with the more you know, serious films, and, yeah. yeah, with the beheading with one arrow type of thing. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, a little bit more violent and a little bit yeah. more serious than most of the movies. Yeah, but but still beautiful. Like even with the similar, you know, with the style of animation. I mean, the characters are are more grown up, but yeah, it's it's amazing that you can you know have very serious scenes even with the the, the that style of animation that is. I wouldn't say, like, child-type animation, but, I mean, it's not, like... What am I trying to say? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the same kind of uh, type of character designs and, like, faces that are... You can tell it's Studio Ghibli. Right. But it works yeah, with they do... all different types of... Right, because they definitely have a look and, yeah. to them. Like, before I yeah. knew movies were Studio Ghibli, like, I knew they were part of the same, mm-hmm. you know... Um, production company I guess because they do all have kind of a similar look yeah so when we were talking about uh, Princess Mononoke being a little bit more mature and then that made me think of, and then I thought about the beheading and stuff but like the I mean the fight scenes and, and all and then that made me think of blood <laughs> and then that made me think of just uh, something through all Studio Ghibli movies the liquids the way <laughs> this sounds weird I know but like the way the animation uh the way that water and blood and just you know various kinds of liquids and stuff are animated it's so amazing like and that's i think that's very signature ghibli too like in spirited away when well the, the and this relates to a food scene actually um when haku gives sen the onigiri the rice balls do you remember that scene? I do. <laughs> yeah, and and then she starts to cry, um, and the tears. So right now I'm just I'm just talking about the the way that <laughs> we can talk more about the meaning of the scene. But um, the tears are huge, and they kind of they're almost like Jello, like <laughs> they kind of like ball up. Yeah, in her I kind of remember. Like I was looking ooze, like, um, ooze pour down her face at a yeah. bunch of different like articles in preparation for this and so I have no idea where I read this but it was um, some comment on one of the articles it's like I cannot believe the viscosity yeah of the, the surface tension yeah, of the, 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 in Studio Ghibli of li- yeah. liquids <laughs> in Studio Ghibli films yeah so yeah that's funny that you mentioned that because I had yeah it seemed like a comment on something else but yeah like I mean that that's a difficult thing to animate I would assume and it's not like you know they're not using like super high tech you know computer techniques and stuff, you know, so I think it's, like, pretty, pretty interesting, like, the quality that they achieved. Yeah, I think, and it's very purposeful, because it is kind of, it is extreme, I mean, especially in that scene, and so I think it's very purposeful why they, yeah, create such incredible surface tension for liquids in their, (laughs) in their films, because, you know, especially in that scene, these huge tears because it, and the meaning behind it is that she's releasing all of this this fear and tension and you know and she's just basically she's letting everything take its course and like her emotions she's letting them out because to yeah up until mm-hmm. that point she had been very sullen and very upset but not really 
yeah, like crying. But he he was so kind to her in that scene and giving her the rice balls, and it was kind of like a catharsis for her. Yeah, catharsis. There we go. Yeah, I can never (laughs) think of the words that I need to say. But and he said that he enchanted them, and so I think perhaps I mean perhaps that's why her tears were like extra huge because at the towards the end of the movie she cries again when they're flying through the air and the the tears are not as huge as they were with the the onigiri scene so so i think you know that also you know had was part of it and it's really neat um because so onigiri or rice balls uh, in japan they're so common so they're basically like a comfort food Mm -hmm. and so that's that's why haku gave you know made out of all the things he could have made i mean we in Spirited Away, they have so much food, but he chose something very plain and common. Yeah, very simple, but maybe mm-hmm. something like her mom would have and made symbolic, for her, you yeah. know, and so she probably had kind of those kind of feelings, too, like the people that used to yeah. take care of her aren't here, so she has to rely that, on others. Yeah. yeah, and so it was beautiful, yeah, and he just puts his, his arm around her and says, here, have, you know, have some more, and so she's just sitting in the garden, mm-hmm. crying, eating rice cakes, but it's very, yeah, very beautiful. A simple scene, but beautiful and meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also in Panyo, it, it reminds me of the the soup. In Panyo, that when she gives, uh, she pours a mug of soup. It looks like maybe broth. Oh yeah, and she um, pours it like right pr- to the top the of the cup, and it's like yeah, almost with a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, and it's just bubble. I remember it as a kid just thinking that was awesome like a water droplet or like if you filled up something so high and you could kind of see how yeah water yeah that surface or i remember again. doing yeah, like, like in middle school like doing those science experiments where you like put like a how many droplets of water you can put on the surface of a penny or something mm-hmm. like that and like yeah you'll be surprised how many are to hold <laughs> so yeah i think that scene is really cute too and it's like what they they consciously like uh, Miyazaki and the team they consciously put in that whole scene of Panya and Sosuke they're on the the magic little boat you know in in this primeval flood and they happen upon you know the this father and a new mother and this little baby and it, yeah it's like this whole scene of Panya interacting with this little baby with food like giving the sandwiches that uh, Sosuke's mom had packed for them which she ate all the ham off of yeah (laughs) (laughs) the the mom the mom on the with the baby she's like oh and Sosuke's like don't worry she already ate all the ham (laughs) but yeah but Panya that like that's her first time interacting with a little baby a human baby and she's just you can tell that she's fascinated but also she's communicated like mentally like she she knew that the baby was hungry because that's part of her magic and because her the um grandmamare the ocean goddess she also has that you could see in some of the scenes with her that she had that ability to i guess kind of read minds or read feelings i'm not sure Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway but so yeah so ponyo is so jealous but then they had that you know little um, discussion about breast milk like oh I you know he the baby can't have this now but I'll eat it and it will help me to produce milk for the baby and then Sosuke was like I got my mom fed me with milk when I was a baby too you know so it's, <laughs> isn't that I mean it's just 
it's so interesting that they would yeah it's just like a little include that like on purpose. yeah it doesn't yeah. you know drive the plot forward it doesn't like serve any purpose but it's just like a nice little scene and it does give some like character development to to Ponyo um yeah. who like might have been you know a little simplistic otherwise you know yeah, so, yeah and it's really nice centered scene. around food but also I think it's a little nod to mothers too like just in a in a very you know subtle way like Miyazaki's saying moms are awesome yeah. maybe I don't know you know no, I mean that's fa- yeah that's very um I guess prevalent in that film you know because um Satsuke's mother is um mm-hmm. or Sasuke right um is Sasuke. you know a, a prominent character and she's a little scattered but she loves him very much and does her best mm-hmm. to take care of him and then um Ponyo's mother the um the goddess you know might have been a little absent yeah. in her life but again you know she's like kind of an she's know, everywhere an overarching <laughs> other world, yeah otherworldly <laughs> being you know so she has like kind of a different role mm-hmm. i guess than a than a traditional mother um but yeah that that scene was really nice but very benevolent yeah 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 and so i guess we're we could talk a little bit more about Panya. Like, yeah. <laughs> one, I think one of the memorable Ghibli foods is uh, the ramen that Panya and Sosuke share. And because yeah, so so Panya loves ham. Ham. Because <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. So at the beginning of the film, yeah, she totally eats Sosuke the ham off Sosuke's sandwich. <laughs> right, as a fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a as a fish. <laughs> Um, and then later on, uh, when she is at Sosuke's home with, uh, and Sosuke's mom is, you know, fixing him up some food, it's ramen, like just the kind that Americans are very familiar with. Yeah, <laughs> they, American what, college like students may have lived off yeah. of it for months. Yeah, <laughs> the dry, the dried squares. Yeah, uh, noodles. Yeah, so they both so, crack it in their little bowls. Yeah, and yeah, so the traditional or the. The basic way that you're supposed to prepare it is that you you put the noodles in a bowl and then you pour boiling water on it and then you cover the bowl. In Japan, they have these night these special bowls that have lids to them. Anyway, and so you cover it up and then wait three minutes. Um, I when I was in high school, I always just prepared it like in the microwave, blur, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's kind of nice. You can be patient for three minutes while you know. But it was so cute because. Uh, Lisa, the uh, Sosuke's mom, told them to like close their eyes, and then she snuck in some some additions <laughs> into the soup. And so when they opened opened their eyes and they opened the bowl, it was ham and hard boiled egg, like sliced hard boiled egg, and then some green onions or chives. Yeah, probably green green onions. Um, the you know just diced up and floating on the top, and and it's. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it's so simple. It's like, oh, just the pack of ramen noodles, but it looks so nice. I know, and it looks, Ghibli like, so comforting because, like, as, yeah. as you know, she's preparing this, it's, they're in the middle of a storm, and yeah. they've lost power, and so she's just kind of making them, like, some comfort food, and, and, and Ponyo has just showed up, and she has no idea who mm-hmm. she is, but she kind of took her in, no questions, and, you know, mm-hmm. let me just take care of the kids and make them something nice and uh, give her something I know she likes. <laughs> so that was just, yeah. like, really just a kind thing to do, too. So, yeah, and it's Pony just a really cute, so sweet happy. scene. Yeah. And then she... <laughs> and then she, like, she eats it 
Oh, and Sosuke's like, be careful, it's hot. But Fanny's like, just give me the ham. I don't <laughs> care. So she's eating it, and then the next, you know, cut so, you know, next scene, she's like falling asleep at the bowl. But yeah, you're right. It's like, just conveys so much coziness and yeah like the storm crazy stuff is going on outside flood and everything and it's nighttime but yeah it's cozy soup and then here's Panya she just eats it all up and then she's just falling like she's about to face plant into the bowl <laughs> she is just so cozy and warm and full and yeah it's and before but before the soup also is the tea or it's warm milk and honey or it's tea with milk and honey it's not we don't know but it's honey in a warm drink yeah <laughs> and that's more of that viscosity I know I was about to say that's a viscous <laughs> spoonful <Yeah>. of honey <laughs> but it's so beautiful because Panyo I mean she's experiencing all these things for the first time and she's just like mesmerized yeah and it's so sim- simple but she's like wow this is what people yeah. this is what people do and this is what families do um yeah, so it's yeah. just really nice. <laughs> and I grew up, uh, like, if if I was having trouble sleeping or, you know, just various reasons, uh, when I was little, my, my mom would make warm milk and honey. And so that, that scene was very cozy to me and yeah. nostalgic. That hit yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up on a farm, and so, yeah, if there was a really powerful storm, the power would go out. So, yeah, and then we would, <laughs> yeah, have cozy drinks and candles and yeah so yeah my power went out all the time as a kid (laughs) well wasn't it kind of exciting well (laughs) yes and no because it would always go out in a snowstorm because we had big Mm -hmm. pine trees so Mm -hmm. it would snow and the like always a tree would fall somewhere in the neighborhood and knock Uh, out a power line and so like it's fun to have the power out but it's not fun to have no heat (laughs) So we used to um, yeah. build a fire and sleep in front of the fireplace. Aww. So it was a bit of an adventure, but it was also cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Panyo, I guess the big thing to talk about with Panyo is, uh, well, eating-wise, is human blood. The sound, that's, <laughs> it's like, <"Ugh>, what? <laughs> no. Well, this, there's no cannibalism. This can this <laughs> can also I guess I, this could also kind of be a theme across because I think um, like there's rules around food in in mm-hmm. some of these that kind of um, go into the fairy tale aspects of stuff like in mm-hmm. Spirited Away, um, like the whole you know reason her parents turn into pigs is because they're gorging themselves on this this otherworldly food, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, like, some rules around, like, when she eats the food from the other world, stuff happens, and, of course, there's those enchanted, um, rice balls, and, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of rules that mean certain things, and then, of course, like, the human blood, and Panya, that was the way she was able to turn into a human in the first place, because it was magical. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, drinking, drinking the blood allows her to turn into a human, and then, like, eating the food from the other world allows Chihiro and Spirited Away to, um... To acclimate. To, yeah, yeah, to acclimate to, to that world. Like, because, yeah, I think she was, like, disappearing, and, um, Haku mm-hmm. was like, quick, eat something, you know, because she'll disappear otherwise. You need to eat food from here. And that very much reminded me of the Persephone myth. Oh, that's right, yeah, like, she was not supposed to eat food from Mm -hmm. the underworld. But it was one pomegranate seed, 
which is i mean we so when whatever haku gave to chihiro it, like when i look at it i'm like oh it's a pomegranate seed like because my yeah, mind cause it was just, just a small connecting. little yeah it's like a little red seed i mean i think it's red like or brown you know brown or something but mm-hmm. in my mind it's like pomegranate seed <laughs> from you know yeah the greek greek mythology yeah persephone and the underworld and she because she ate like if if she had eaten anything she would have to stay there forever but she only ate a little seed and so the deal was made that she would be there for you know the winter just the winter yeah yeah but anyway so that and Miyazaki is very well read in mythology and fairy tales and in classic stories and so you can see a lot of that uh, inspiration you know in, in little ways and in big ways like Ponyo is uh, adapted from Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. Um, right, because but, I think yeah. they do mention, like, if she doesn't win his love, she'll turn into sea foam. Yeah, which yeah. is, yeah, straight from, um, yeah, The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Um, and I definitely saw some, like, Alice in Wonderland, um, you know, mm-hmm. references both in Spirited Away and in oh, um, My yeah. Neighbor Totoro, Totoro the, um, the cat bus looks like a cheshire cat <laughs> yeah and yeah i think when um when what's the little sister's name may like when she may. yeah when yeah. she meets totoro for the first time she had fallen down a hole you know and then, yeah or like a tunnel yeah exactly tree, so like, it's kind of like falling down the rabbit yeah. hole yeah yeah so i yeah i definitely saw some like alice in wonderland um influences mm-hmm. which also yeah. like even if the audience isn't aware of those illusions i think it's some part of them connects with it and makes it familiar and right like 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 this is connects yeah Yeah, this is something that i this concept i'm familiar with because it's from a story i heard in childhood like Mm -hmm. i don't know any like specific things about like you know um having a drop of blood or whatever but i'm sure there's lots of stories and myths um that kind of focus around that you know probably there's probably a lot of like vampire stories and stuff that kind of (laughs) incorporate that but then also just like the human element you know so yeah um well i think yeah it is interesting with ponyo and the you know the drop of blood is yeah because i guess that it because in some cultures when you ingest something, well, we kind of talked about this with Game of Thrones and and the and the Dothraki, but the you know you can gain anyway like ingesting the essence of something, mm-hmm. you can gain some of those powers, and so it's interesting. And Ponyo, you know, the drop of blood, so that's like in the very beginning, she he Sosuke cuts his finger, and she licks the blood, and he's he's healed from her magic, but that is the catalyst that you know allows her to become human but i think it's mentioned a couple of times like her dad uh i think is it fujimoto is that his name um liam neeson right <laughs> in the oh okay version. i wasn't sure i'm um, like i recognize that voice <laughs> oh it's totally liam neeson okay. he loved it. he used his regular voice for that too yeah he had a good time um but he's like i hope you didn't have any human blood like he just said that out of nowhere yeah and then and then she's like i want ham he's like oh crap you did have (laughs) and it's curious because so human blood and then she you know is wanting to be human after that and you know and, and has the ability to with her magic to resemble a human but what she wants is ham which is an earth food meaning land a land food like I think it's meaningful that that's what she wants, right? Is 
yeah, like meat, meat from a pig. I mean, <laughs> the fish would not. Want, She's you know. not craving well, fish or shrimp or crab. Like, yeah, she wants ham. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's very much a, a land lovers <laughs> food, and so so anyway, I I I wonder if that's why, out of all the foods that you know she could have she could be in love with it's right him. <laughs> the the turf of the serpent turf because yeah. <laughs> the sandwich that soske had he like he gave her bread a little piece of bread there was lettuce on it yeah there was she, cheese. she was not impressed it was the ham maybe because it was pink i don't know <laughs> she's like oh i like this color i don't know anyway <laughs> but my uh, so um on my fiction food blog i did uh, I, I recreated Panyo's ramen with the ham in it. Nice. And and uh, one of my <laughs> one of the things that I or thoughts that I put on this on the post is that she would probably have a she would have gone gaga over the pig barns and spirited away. Like <laughs> Oh my goodness. Don't show Panya don't mix up those films because Vanya would just go crazy over all those big yeah yeah I was pretty Chihiro's parents wouldn't have had a chance <laughs> yeah oh I'm looking uh, yeah I, I googled your um your ramen bowl it looks really good <laughs> thanks got the boiled egg and stuff yeah um, actually, you've done, I guess we can go ahead and, like, segue into food if you want, because you've cooked a lot of recipes already from Studio Ghibli films. Yeah, because yeah. I love those films. I know. And, well, and food is so prominent, so there's lots of yeah. opportunity to, you know, try out some different recipes. Um, so some of them are, like, very traditional Japanese recipes, like this ramen, for instance. Um, I think there's, like, a lot of, um like traditional um Japanese food and spirited away because she's kind of like transported back in time and um mm-hmm. they're making like banquets full of food and there's all kinds of stuff um in there so like what what are there um things have you made on your blog so on my blog I've also done yeah the the steamed buns uh from spirited away that ha- they have the anko or red bean paste inside so nice yeah those are delicious i think they're like um i think they're chinese in origin um Mm -hmm. and yeah they're really good i love um the red bean paste i i had i went through a lot of trial and error with those oh really (laughs) yeah and that was when my my blog that was the beginning of of my blog so I, i don't know a couple years ago um well, what are your best um, but, steamed bun tips? Yeah, because I've never made it. Oh my gosh, it. I know. I'm I've never to... steamed anything, so <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to go about it. Did you have to have like special equipment, like baskets or anything, or um, how well, did you do time, it? Well, at that time, at that time, now I have a bamboo steamer mm-hmm. that I can just put on top of a of a big pot. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I just used uh, my little rice cooker. Oh, okay. It was like a twenty dollar rice cooker I got at Target, but it had a little steaming. It has a little steaming tray. Oh, nice. In it. Uh, and so you just put it on, put the dough on parchment paper, and then you can put it on the, the steaming tray uh, and, and steam it. But, yeah, it, it, like getting the dough right, why we had to go through, like, so many, <laughs> so <laughs> is, many Is it like a rice flour dough? What kind of dough no, is it? Oh, uh, let me, let me pull it up and look at the recipe, because I forget. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, it's not rice flour. Um, it's just, it's with regular ingredients. Okay, just regular flour. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, it's a yeast bread. Um, and it, I, I actually ended up doing a combination of 
just regular all-purpose flour and cake flour. Okay. Because cake flour, you know, make it nice and soft. Yeah, because I think, yeah, cake flour's got, like, what, cornstarch in it? Does it? I, it has magic in it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> Secret ingredient. Yeah, I think, I think it's cornstarch. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, cake flour's nice. But aside from doing the the red bean paste, I also did a few with Nutella. Ooh, you can't go wrong with Nutella. You can put Nutella on cardboard. (laughs) It would be delicious. (laughs) And then I also did some with uh, pork inside. Okay, yeah, so it had some savory ones too. Yeah. But I love that scene where when Lynn gives Sen, well, she's Sen at that point, Chihiro Mm -hmm. slash Sen. The dumpling, because it's, I think it's very telling of, you know, uh, Sen getting acclimated or, you know, getting yeah. used to her situation. And that's another instance and, of, like, a character mm-hmm. taking care of another character through food. You know, yeah, it's very, exactly. um, kind of, and kind of maternal, too. Yeah. Yeah, that they're forming a bond, mm-hmm. you know, because this is, it's kind of, it's, I don't know, but halfway through or kind of towards, I don't know, the... The beginning of the middle of the movie, but... But yeah, yeah, she's like, you know, um, Chihiro slash Sin is definitely Mm -hmm. feeling better, you know, with with what's going on, and Lynn's being nicer to her. She's not so nice at first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because at first Lynn is like, oh, what? I'm stuck with with you, and, you know, but then when they're alone together, she's like, oh, I'm so glad that things worked out, and, you know, I was worried about you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so Lynn's a a surprising character. Yeah, she's got, like, a very abrasive front, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, she's like... She's a big softy. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know what kind of spirit she is, but there, I think in the art of Miyazaki Spirited Away, she's a, uh, referred to as a weasel spirit, or um, so, and in s- some other translations, uh, people say like a fox spirit. But anyway, oh, okay. she's she's not a frog spirit or a slug spirit, <laughs> which uh, some of the other bathhouse workers oh, are. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> I feel like... Random in, side fact. I feel like in Spirited <laughs> Away, there were like so many references that I was missing because like I'm oh, not... Like Japanese I'm not that familiar stuff, yeah. with like Japanese mythology religion, and yeah. religion and storytelling and that type of stuff. So I feel like there mm-hmm. were a lot of like... You know, this frog is probably really symbolic, but I don't know what it means, and, like, pigs, and and that kind of stuff. So, I I feel like, you know, I would have, like, a richer understanding of this this movie. I mean, it was still, like, very entertaining and a nice movie otherwise, but I feel like there was a lot, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm I'm pretty familiar with, like, Western fairy tales, um, and so can catch those type of references in movies, but, like, there was... Yeah. yeah, like a lot of stuff, like, I'm, like I know this is <laughs> an homage to something, but I don't know what. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the rat, like the radish spirit, it's, the, so in Japan, the radishes are, they're daikon uh, radishes, and they're, so they're pretty and white. And you can, like, I've, I've been able to find them in the grocery stores here. Oh, yeah. In fact, I, but, I have um, daikon radish in my bento box, which I'll talk about in just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I really like, um, since starting this blog and getting into fiction food and, and because I love anime and stuff, you know, so I, that, that has prompted me to become more familiar with daikon. Um, but in Spirited Away, there's the radish spirit mm-hmm. who he never, you never hear him talk and he's kind of... Um, like he's he kind of like looms over Chihiro in the beginning, and you're not sure if he's, you know, gonna rat her out or yeah, you know. But he ends up helping her. Like he takes her up to the top floor 
and then like look, leans his head out of the elevator to make sure the coast is clear and then steps off to let her go and then he gets in and goes back downstairs to you know wherever he was going so I, but it's all quiet like he's quiet the whole time but he um in japan in the japanese version his name is oshira sama which is, and the name comes from a shinto agricultural deity in in northeastern japan uh, and but name only is is um the connection like because he doesn't <laughs> the the agricultural deity it doesn't look like <laughs> like a big radish spirit and okay. turned it away. I think it's actually like two dolls um, okay. part of a ceremony. But anyway, um, so you know that's but the radish spirit is an allusion to agriculture, and you know, and that's a huge in like Shinto religion and and Japan Japanese culture like agriculture is a really traditionally anyway is very a very big deal to say the <laughs> least and that's like understatement but anyway so yeah um but also yeah that makes sense yeah because i mean like well i mean you know all all cultures no matter what like you're totally dependent on you know mm-hmm. food and so um like making sure that you have a good harvest year is really important and especially mm-hmm. i would assume for japan like being an island you know they yeah. can't really trade that easily with with other countries so they're kind of reliant on um you know especially a long time ago relying on what they could produce within the country Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and so it's very so a lot of religious practices are connected to the agriculture of an area um so anyway so the radish spirit is you know allusion to agriculture and um but also so this is in japanese mythology but at the end of the film well and also well yeah, at the end of the film, when um, Chihiro is returning to the real world or leaving the spirit world uh, with her parents, and they have to go through the tunnel, mm-hmm. um, but bef- before they go, Haku tells Chihiro like, "Don't look back." Does right. that is that familiar to you? Does it? Like, yes, that's from something, but <laughs> Greek Greek mythology. Yeah, it's um, Orpheus and Eurydice, the the Greek myth. Where you were to see, she's a tree nymph, but I, I think she gets bitten by a poisonous snake, or uh, but anyway, she ends up in the underworld. She dies and ends up in the underworld, and then uh, Orpheus goes to retrieve her from there. Uh, but he's told, "Do not look back while you're going through the tunnels back up to the living world. Like, don't look back at her." And, but he does. Of course he does. <laughs> like, they're right, they're almost out of the tunnel, and he looks back. I forget what it is. Something causes him to look back, and and then she's lost to him forever. But, like, but it's that same, you know, like, don't look back, and they're going through a tunnel. And and also the symbolism of the tunnel, like, go, when they go through the tunnel in the beginning, and then out of the tunnel, or right through the tunnel again at the end, um, it's, if you look at it, it's the same it's it's the same scene. I mean, they she hold, clutches her mom's arm. The dad says the same things, both at the beginning and the end. Oh, okay. But because of all that has transpired during the movie, it Chihiro is a different person, and so we know she's clutching her mom's hand, arm not because she's scared, but because she wants to hold on to her mom, like make sure that they all get out of this, you know, but safely. And so I thought that was really 
interesting. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. so much has happened to her. She really is a different person. Yeah, and so the whole tunnel, you know, tunnels have a lot of meaning, too, that, you know, they can, it's like, what, like the passage of, like, what is the other end? Like, they're kind of mysterious, but also meaningful. <laughs> My words are failing me, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, no, I know um, what you mean. They're like a tunnels, you, like a passage passing through of them. Yeah, yeah, from one place to another, and, from one mm-hmm. state to another. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that plays. That's a, a theme in the beginning and ending of Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah. So so on my blog, I did the the steamed bun and the, and that scene because I really like that scene. Um, because it's that's also a comfort food, the steam bun, and then it shows li- the bond that's forming between Sen and Lin, mm-hmm. um, and also that she's you know just um, getting on with the the her current state of affairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something that I I want to try, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna do it soon, so maybe I can a- add this on our to our website in the food section. <laughs> um, but so there's this mystery food in the beginning it's and I call it the parent to pigs meal that whole scene oh so there's this yeah oh my gosh it's like (laughs) you kind of want to be there with them chowing down but then you're like wait this is too much yeah you're quickly (laughs) stop being so messy (laughs) yeah you're quickly just disgusted like yeah yeah, I mean I think downhill very good (laughs) gluttony plays a big part in this movie not just at the beginning yeah when the parents turn into pigs but then later when they have like the the masked um or the face what do they call him the um, oh uh, kao no she um no face no face yeah. yeah so they're they're like making dish after dish for him and trying to feed him mm-hmm. and he's just like yeah con- tearing up everything <laughs> so yeah i feel like yeah there's a lot of food in this movie but not all of it looks like it looks gorgeous but i just feel sick watching it because in the, the large quantities yeah the way the characters are just stuff. yeah consuming <laughs> it but anyway yeah go ahead <laughs> like what, well isn't that interesting like that i think that was all very purposeful too it's like food should be celebrated like you know a wonderful thing but then in excess it you know and right. they really do show that in the animation it's like like just just what you were saying, like the viewer is like wants it, but then quickly because of the events that are happening, doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Like then yeah, and I guess like I'm way. just I'm yeah. just thinking of this now, but um, like in the movie, there's very like lavish foods, like the mm-hmm. um you know the feasts that the parents are consuming, and that later the um no faces consuming and then there's very very simple foods like you know the onigiri mm-hmm. and then um when she goes to visit um who's the Zaniba. yeah Zaniba, and she just gives her like the a nice a, yeah like but just like a simple cake you know it's not yeah. like anything i want to make that too that's on my list yeah it does look good Sweet. yeah but it's just like a simple cake and it's very like um yeah. just humble and comforting and so um like food's very symbolic in this in this movie it's like it can be like a simple thing to take care of somebody or like it can be this just mm-hmm. lavish and showy and um kind of like you know the the bad witchy sister is um yo baba yeah. <laughs> yeah she's very like gaudy and you know that kind of thing so i, I think it, yeah. it's kind of a commentary on you know yeah excess <laughs> yeah oh my gosh there's so much yeah so many but yeah those those scenes like the parents to pig scene 
Um, the and then No Face and his gorging, and then connected to No Face is the like you said the Zaniba scene um, with the cake and the tea. Yeah, and she lives um, like in a simple cottage, mm-hmm. and then um, Yubaba, the the wicked um, sister, lives in you know the gorgeous mansion. She's got you know. <laughs> hand, yeah. handful of jewels like you know her her office that she's in is you know very yeah, yeah. De- totally decked out fancy and, yeah exactly and speaking of fairy tales um yubaba it makes me think of baba yaga excuse me from russian folk tales who is a, a witch oh i don't think i'm familiar so but yeah but so baba yaga is a, a witch or a hag and she Sometimes she's good to children, mm-hmm. and sometimes she's bad to children. Like, it dep- depends. There's so many stories. Okay, well, that makes sense, because the same character sometimes is wicked, and sometimes is yeah. a little bit kind. And the fact yeah. that they're twins, yeah. like Yubaba and Zaniba. It's like two sides of the same. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder. That's, that's just, again, like what came to mind i don't know if well that, that makes sense you know. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I'm yeah there's, sure there's definitely Mizaki knows about baba yaga oh so. I'm, sh- I'm sure yeah so that makes a lot of sense i i also was getting some um alice in wonderland vibes from her too oh yeah because the large head yeah exactly like, she was very yeah. like red queen or white queen mm-hmm. and then that um the giant baby too like made me think of the um, oh the duchess yeah with the pig and the pepper and stuff and it's Uh just like it's kind of like it's a baby but not (laughs) so it's like it's a little (laughs) shocking when you actually see the baby yeah so yeah i was was getting some some alice in wonderland (laughs) from that but um so so one of the foods in particular though that that has been a mystery is in the the parents to pigs meal Mm -hmm. and it like when I first saw it, I thought it was like a boiled onion. Do you know what I'm talking about? It I don't was think like, so. No, like the dad, like puts it in his mouth and he like kind of slurps it up. But it it's like uh, and there's some like juice dripping off of it, and it's like off white color and a, but it has vertical lines in it. So it made me think of an onion. Um, but but anyway, but it like but it also has these little side pieces that are like so it's not totally smooth they're like these little side pieces that are coming anyway i don't know (laughs) but like anyway so that food has been a topic online for years and you know what is that food and so there have been a lot of theories about it but the most recent theory is that it is a taiwanese food called bawan which is it's very common uh, food. It's uh, sometimes people call it Taiwanese meatballs, but it's um, the outer casing. Uh, casing isn't really the right, right word, but the the outer layer is a mixture of like corn cornstarch or potato starch and rice flour. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of reminds me of. Um, oh my gosh! Now I can't think. Of it. <laughs> now I can't think of it. Um, Oh my gosh, the name is the name of Hiro Hamada's cat and <laughs> Big Hero Six and I made it for the vlog. It's like Oh Mochi? Like, yeah, Mochi. Sorry. Ha-ha. I guess, <laughs> totally couldn't think of anyway, so I yeah, I've made mochi before, but anyway, then that uses rice flour. So it's kind of like a glutinous uh, layer to it. Okay. But then it has pork, ground pork inside and uh shiitake mushrooms 
and bamboo are like the the basic ingredients. Oh, okay. Um, and so, so some people are saying that that is what what this mysterious food is in that scene in spiritual way. And it's interesting because so it's a Taiwanese food, um, and part of Spirited Away, like when they were scouting for scenery to base parts of the the film from, mm-hmm. uh, was a town in in Taiwan called Jufen. Uh, Jufen, I don't know if I'm saying right. It's J-I-U-F-E-N. And that was a town that was, it used to be a Japanese colony. And so it has the architecture, it has a lot of Japanese influences in it. Um, but you can buy Bawan there at the, you know, the, the eateries. It, at Geofen, it's it's kind of like a tourist place now, um, but also during World War Two, there was a, a POW camp there, and for you know Allied forces and soldiers, and um, they would mine for gold, which gold is a you know very prevalent and spirited away too. That part of greed, right? Um, anyway, so there's just these like little connections. Yeah. Um, so That's I. Interesting. So the crew did at one point scout out, you know, this Taiwanese, Japanese, you know, ancient, well, not ancient. I mean, parts of it are ancient. Anyway, <laughs> now it's like a regular city, I guess. But um, but the like downtown and the, um, the old part of it, it has resemblances to what ended up in Spirited Away, um, like the, the shops and the spirit world uh, leading up to the bathhouse. Um, anyway, so I think that sounds like a pretty good theory. So Bawan, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, especially this Taiwanese food. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna make it. Cool. I'm gonna make it, and I'm gonna try to make it look like what's in the movie. Nice. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So so with Kaunashi, uh, no face. Um, yeah, the themes for him. <laughs> And I, I really, I really like that because again, it's showing, not telling that type of storytelling with mm-hmm. him. So people kind of get, you know, have their own takes on it, but I feel like he, like he, he wants to connect and he wants to feel valued and he wants to belong. Like those are his things. That's what he wants, what he's craving. So it's very, very human, you know, these, that so people can kind of connect with with him even though he's this crazy spirit you know <laughs> like yeah but no that but, makes sense but because he has like, very human wants he seems yeah. like he's intrigued by chigara like once you know they realize oh my gosh there's a human here and he kind of you mm-hmm. know follows her around and hovers near her and <laughs> yeah yeah and she's not really sure who he is or what he wants but she's kind to him in the beginning when she let, leaves the door open for him and she's the only one that the least that we can see in the movie she's the only one that notices him like everyone else i'm sure they see him but yeah but they nobody just pays him. attention yeah, yeah she acknowledges him and then is kind to him by letting letting him enter the bathhouse i mean she thought he was a customer but she just saw him out in the rain and left the door open for him and said you know mm-hmm. let so he could come in and and so yeah and so he she's the one that he wants to connect with because 
he, she was kind to him, but he doesn't know how to repay her or, you know, he's, he sees that everyone else is crazy over gold because of the, you know, the river god when he was uh, cleansed. Um, he left, you know, the little gold pieces and everybody went wild over that. And so, yeah, so it's, so no face is like, oh, I guess this is how it's done. Like you give gold or whatever. And so, and then everybody else was paying attention to him because of that. And, and then, yeah, food worked its way in there because. Yeah. And that's another, that's another instance mm -hmm. of like greed and excess. Exactly. Yeah, that everybody's not. He didn't know how to, how to control it. Yeah. It's right. kind of like he wasn't socialized yet. Like he, he who knows where he came from. But it's like he was very awkward and like trying to learn the ways of the of society that he was in, and but he learned the wrong things yeah. like about gold and you know how to connect with people. Yeah, like, like this is what people react to. Yeah, and yeah. it's not necessarily the best way to. And then he <laughs> got overwhelmed. Yeah, and turned into this monster. And so yeah, it's so it's beautiful with the the medicine that the river spirit gave her. You know, sin gave him half mm -hmm. half of it because she was going to save it for her parents right yeah and it was kind of ended up giving it all away it was kind of selfless too yeah yeah so. and then yeah and then so and then going back you mentioned uh, that's Zaniba's house that scene he's so it's like oh no don't give no face food like he's gonna go crazy but it wasn't that it was the situation and then he eats yeah this just this nice cake like not it wasn't decorated mm -hmm. it didn't even have any little flower like you know frosting yeah. <laughs> flowers or anything right very it, simple it wasn't even two layers it was just a, yeah very which i i'm like what kind of cake is that like it's tall but there <laughs> it's it's one it's not two layers and it doesn't have a hole in the center so it's not like an a bunt cake or angel food cake. Anyway, so <laughs> sorry, that's one of the ones I want to recreate. But yeah, I'm no, that looks good. I make a lot of cakes in my like spring form pan, you know, and yeah. they, they make the, that kind of just plain cake. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, how do you get the center cooked all the way through if it's really big? I don't know. I'll have to. Oh yeah, if it's tall like that, because <laughs> that's usually why angel food cakes and bun right cakes, have the like, hole, have in, the the hole in the middle. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, so he's just very quietly eating that nice fluffy looking cake and then at the end it's so because yeah Zaniba is very uh, observant or you know very knowing because she in the very end she's like no face why don't you stay with me I could use your help like cause she praises him for that he's a good spinner I think was he he was because they were all helping to make the little hair elastic for Shihiro and yeah, so she gives him a place. She gives him value, and and companionship. Like those are the the things that he wanted, mm -hmm. and he and then he found it. Then I yeah, this beautiful side story that you know was happening kind of parallel to Sen Sen's journey. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good because I didn't really really like pay too much attention to that thread. But yeah, that's a really mm -hmm. good little side story. So I, I just, I, yeah, we're, well, there's so much to talk about, um, and I know that time is ticking on, but um, Kiki, 
Kiki's delivery service. Oh yes, I love. It's Kiki. like I don't want to forget. <laughs> forget. I mean, it takes bakery. It takes place in the bakery. That's right. Yeah. This this movie, like I I watched the first half of it with my daughter, and I think she finished it up without me. Like I think I was doing mm-hmm. something else. So no, this, yeah. So I haven't been, so I haven't seen this whole movie, but yes, like mm-hmm. it's adorable. She's a little witch. Um, she goes to the world, and she goes to live in a bakery. And you were saying that this is like kind of based on um sweden yeah yeah so um which well the scenery yeah yeah mm-hmm. but then also like the the food too like you know S- sweden has some like awesome pastries <laughs> yeah. and so yeah so she lives in this little bakery and um i think as soon as she gets some money she buys like pancake mix and that's what yeah so she's like living off of <laughs> yeah but in japan pancakes are like puffy like really they're like little cakes. And so oh, okay. You can see that in the sh- in the show that they're pretty thick pancakes. Yeah. So she she and her cat Gigi live off pancakes and <laughs> maybe a sausage. <laughs> but yeah. So the scenery in Kiki was uh, based on Stockholm, Sweden, and the neighboring little town of Visby. Because uh, Miyazaki uh, went there years and years, um, or maybe not years and years, but anyway, before Kiki was. Um, being thought of, he went there to scout out for Pippi Longstockings. This was before Studio Ghibli was uh, formed, but he wanted to do a Pippi Longstockings TV series, uh, but Astrid Lindgren, the author of Pippi, uh, either I I guess didn't want that to happen, or something about the rights um, for that. Mm. So uh, Pippi didn't come to fruition, but the the scenery... um, that Miyazaki scoped out was used. Um, there's actually a little cafe. It's not a bakery, but it's a cafe uh, in Visby. Then that's what the bakery. Okay, and like inspiration. Kiki's delivery service was inspired by. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm, that's really cool that like you know he scouted out actual locations for these movies. Yeah, because yeah, they definitely have like such a rich feel. So it's really cool that they're based on actual places. Yeah, like um. There's a, there's a documentary, a Japanese documentary that like they visit all the places that inspired the Studio Ghibli movies. Um, so like there's a particular woods uh, that were the inspiration for Totoro, and there's also a house, but it burned down in two thousand nine. Um, but there was a house that was that resembled the Totoro house. Oh, okay. Um, and then yeah, Ponyo. Uh, Miyazaki uh, retreated to the I say retreated, that doesn't sound like he ran away there, no, like <laughs> a retreat <laughs> anyway, he went to it's Seto Inland Sea uh, this village there um, and they even have a shrine to the goddess of mercy which is mentioned in the film uh, when the, the sailors see Ponyo's mom uh, Grandma Mare in, in the ocean like oh the goddess of mercy yeah like, and that was so. like a very um like striking setting too like the little mm-hmm. town they lived in because it was you know it was small it was hilly it was a mm-hmm. beach town so yeah you can you can kind of see that it was based on something specific yeah like i was thinking like maybe it was just like you know supposed to take place in like a certain region or whatever um, mm-hmm. Which would be obvious if you were familiar with Japan, which I'm really yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's still beautiful for us. It to is. See. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Tell us about your 
recipe oh, okay. because <laughs> otherwise we could just go forever. I, I know. On this and is on. A, yeah, so this sorry. is another one of those like <laughs> rabbit hole topics. That, like, there's so many movies. I think. Yeah, we need to kind of. Um, yeah, reel it in a it. little bit. Next yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good though, because I mean, yeah, like um, you don't realize like how much. Um, there is until you start digging into it because like even having seen like the movies and stuff um yeah once you start digging in there's so many okay i'm just babbling all right my well, recipe no, it's like because we, <laughs> we haven't talked about conpito okay there's conpito it's candy okay now go i know yeah there's there's <laughs> lots of things that we haven't even mentioned i don't know if we're going to but um anyway for my um for my <laughs> recipe i did um the bento box that um Yay. what's her name again so, Satsuki. Satsuki makes in um, my neighbor Totoro. And so she's the, um, I loved the scene. I, I talked about it before. You know, she's the seven-year-old girl, and she's up in the morning making breakfast for her family, and she's got the um, the four-year-old out back um, smoking the fish. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I decided I was going to make these little bento boxes. And, um, yeah, if you don't know what bento is it's the um like the little boxes that you know a lot of Japanese people used to take lunch and so um and I, I want to mention one site that I really love called um just bento has tons and yeah. tons of like um that like cool story. recipes and ideas of, of stuff to put in it so like mainly if you're doing like a traditional like Japanese style bento it'll be like um rice of course and then like um vegetables proteins you know oftentimes fish or it can be like you know grilled meat or something like that and then um a lot of times has pickle and like different pickled vegetables and stuff and so I thought this um bento looked pretty good and it was like you know simple foods but incorporated a lot of that so the fish in it um I didn't know what kind of fish it was so I looked up and it was likely smelt which mm-hmm. is um, kind of like a sardine, and I guess, you know, they eat them a lot in Japan. And I was just going to use a canned sardine, but I actually managed to find smelt <laughs> at yes. um, Whole Foods. So, yeah, I was happy about that. So I didn't smoke them, but um, I fried them. Like, I dredged them in a little, um, like, cornmeal, um, salt and pepper, and fried them. And they turned out really good. And then um, also in the spinto box... Um, I saw a couple of um, interpretations online of what was inside of this, and so no one's really sure. Like, there's something green, (laughs) and then there's something pink. So, um, it looks like peas in the picture, but then earlier in the scene, she's chopping up greens and blanching them. So, so that's what I did. I did, like, some blanched greens. I used chard, but you could use, like, collard greens or spinach or something like that, and I just made, like, a sesame dressing for it. Mm. And it was really good. It, yeah, it was just really simple and um, yeah, some nice nice greens. And then for the for the pink stuff, um, I saw that um, some other people had used um, something called sakura dimbo, which I'm not familiar with. But apparently, mm-hmm. it's like kind of flaked um, cod, but then yeah. it's got like it, it's like sweet and salty. I think um, they put like sugar and vinegar and that kind of stuff. Um, but I thought maybe since they were on this, like, f- 
farm and they had like all these vegetables around it. Maybe it was like a um, like a daikon pickle. So that's what I made. Yeah. Um, I like grated up the daikon radish and um, just put like a little rice vinegar or salt and sugar. And then I used like a little piece of roasted beet and mashed it up and so it gave it like a really nice pink color and it's almost exactly the same pink color that was in the picture so who knows oh that sounds yeah so that maybe, sounds really great yeah i like your interpretation a lot yeah like i hadn't I, so i don't know if that's what it actually is but you know i did come up with a nice little pickle and it's the right color so mm-hmm. <laughs> i can go with that and then on top of the um on top of the rice she puts a little umeboshi which is the um the pickled plums mm-hmm. which i really love because <laughs> i love like okay. yes yeah. They're super sour, <laughs> but I love sour yeah. anything. I love, like, lemons, nice. vinegar, whatever. And um, that's also, like, a really, like, traditional filling mm-hmm. for onigiri, the rice balls. They'll mm-hmm. they'll put, like, um, umeboshi. Maybe that's why Sen was crying. I, yeah, maybe she bit into a... <laughs> maybe she bit into an umeboshi. It's like, I yeah. can't take it. Oh. Yeah, because they are, they are super sour. But when you eat them with, like, the bland rice, it, it you know, makes a really nice flavor combination mm-hmm. so yeah that's my little bento and then i i had um a little bento box that i used to take lunch in like fairly often um but i haven't used it in a while and i have a little um bento box for my daughter too so i think when she was in preschool i used to have to pack her lunch every day um i still mm-hmm. pack her lunch most days but i don't use the bento box as much um but yeah it's just a, a nice way to yeah, take your lunch. So I packed this one up. I had a two-story one. I think the one in the movie is just like a one mm-hmm. one container. So mine looks a little bit different. But yeah, same foods, and it turned out really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I want to, especially I want to try the, the daikon relish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it, like that that could be because, like a nice yeah. touch to a lot of meals. Like I, um, I make pickled shallots a lot, and we put mm. them on top of everything. And I, and I basically mm-hmm. just do like um, salt, sugar, and red wine vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically did the same thing with this, except for I used rice vinegar, but yeah, like, I think making, like, the daikon pickle, making, like, a carrot pickle would be really good, mm-hmm. um, and it could go with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and that reminds yeah. me, in Spirited Away, uh, in a f- couple scenes, there's just, it looks like just a bowl of plain white rice, but then you can see peeking out on the side, I'm, I think that they're like daikon pickled daikon but like in the coin shape oh okay yeah like kind yeah. of on the side they're a little bit yellow what like yeah like i think a lot of times yeah they they either mm-hmm. like just slice it up or you could do like matchsticks or julienne yeah. like you can do it in different shapes i i just grated it up so it's kind of like a mush <laughs> yeah but it looks but that's i mean in in the film in totoro it is like a shredded yeah like yeah pink ex- exactly <laughs> Shredded pinkness, yeah. Yeah. Yum! So yeah, I just, you know, and again, I really like that scene because it's another way that, like, people are being taken care of through food. Mm -hmm. Well, I... I'm not going to talk anymore because I'll just keep (laughs) talking about So maybe we should... Yeah, maybe we should wrap wrap this up. Yeah, knowing that there's more to talk about. I know, I just keep thinking of all this. We may do a deeper dive at some point or, you know, we can can maybe take, like, when the new movie comes out, when Marnie was there, who knows what kind of food's in that movie. So we may revisit this topic at one point because I think we both really enjoyed it. We should just have, like, a Ghibli party (laughs) in honor of, like, in celebration of the new Ghibli 
in the movie. Yeah. And just like take pictures. Yeah, like that. Like <laughs> yeah, Ghibli best hits. Yeah, greatest hits. Yeah, we can make a bunch of dishes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I, okay. So that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> stay so, tuned. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Um, so I guess we'll wrap this up. Um, you can you can find um, links to anything we've mentioned, as well as the recipes, l- links to the many recipes we talked about on this episode at our website, um, fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can email us at fictionkitchenpodcast at gmail.com. And we're both on Twitter. I'm at Carrie Rashid. And I'm at Fiction Food. And thanks so much for listening. Yep, thank you. Bye. Bye.